0: What you believe about Jesus changes everything you know about yourself, your world, and your destiny. We just sang about that, and we've been talking about that. We started this series way, way back at the middle to end of September. And then we took a little bit of a break around Christmas. We talked about the birth and arrival of Jesus And then at Easter, uh, we talked about the resurrection of Jesus, and we had a great Good Friday service online that we celebrated together. And then we started a couple of different series. We started a series uh, called Picture Perfect Family, a little four-week series that was fantastic and fun to do, a three- or four-week series. And then we jumped into a series talking about money, Money Matters, we called it. And if you're just joining us for the first time or watching for the first time and wondering, Uh, I don't like jumping into the middle of a television series. Why am I jumping into the middle of a sermon series? I've got good news for you. Uh, It's all on demand. Uh, You can go to our website and click on messages and sort by series. And go to Son of God and you can find all the different messages. This is actually part 17. So if you've missed any of them, I'd encourage you to... uh, uh, grab those, they're on uh, Apple Podcasts, they're on Google Play, wherever you enjoy your podcasts, uh, you can catch up and keep on, on up to this series. And the whole reason for this series is I want to help understand and I want to share what Jesus, who Jesus is. Together, we want to discover more fully who Jesus is because if he is the Son of God... That changes everything. And if he isn't the son of God, what are we doing? (laughs) This is important. We've got to figure out who Jesus is. Is he really the son of God? I mean, let's face it. Someone were to walk in here today, had the name Jesus, and said, "Uh, I'm the son of God. You'd say Wonderful that you'd hear. Come sit down here while we phone the authorities. (laughs) Right? If someone were to come up to you and say they're God in the flesh, you'd back away. You'd phone for help. You'd get them help. You'd do something to help them in any way. But no one's going to do that. Back then, Jesus walked all through the earth. Walked and talked to people demonstrated to people who he was, what he said he was going to do, and even his closest friends and disciples had a hard time believing that it was true. That when push came to shove, when problems came on, when there was all sorts of storms in their lives, they wondered, wait a minute, can I really believe that Jesus is the Son of God? That's the reason for this series. I mean, how, how can you know? Christian, If we're wrong, that is the greatest letdown of all letdowns. All our expectations, all our hopes and dreams shattered. All of us have had people who have let us down in our lives, right? Uh, Just turn to your spouse or turn to the person next to you and say, sometime if I know you long enough... You're going to let me down. <laughs> don't do that. That's a horrible thing to do on a Sunday morning. That is not relationship building. Better if you say, uh, I'm going to let you down if I know you long enough. That's exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to let you down. No, you don't have to do that either. That's, whoa, slow, slow down. You were a little quick on participating in that part. I didn't even ask. We've all been let down from expectations that we have from people and products and stuff when stuff fails to live up to the hype i'll just name a few politicians they make promises and you think i want those promises i want them to do that when they get into office they're going to do that thing that i think all of us need and they get into office and then they do something else and you go what on earth they let you down A new employee joins the team that you hire or someone who's going to co-work with you and you think, finally, my work is going to be, uh, 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 it's not going to be as demanding and stressful. We're going to have new opportunities. This this person's going to really work out. They've got just the best glowing resume and they just bomb within, you know, like orientation. They can't even get through the three months of the trial part of the job. How many of you... I've been let down by a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Then there's products. Exercise plans that we get into and we think this is going to really help us. And now they're collecting dust on the shelf because they didn't really work. Eh, Maybe we didn't try them, but they still don't work. They just didn't have that... That we wanted them to do Restaurants were told that this is the best place You got to go eat this You got to go try this You got to get there and have it And it's just like What is this? This isn't very good at all The service isn't good Or the food isn't good And it's just not a good experience How many of you have ever gone to a movie That was really, really hyped up And you thought I don't get the hype I want my 12, 15, 34 dollars back Or whatever, Right? Whatever that costs. Or, or you're watching the Oscars or an award show and they say, and the award goes to some movie you've never seen. And so you watch that movie and you go, was there no one else in the category? Did they win by default? This is awful. And you get let down. We have all been let down by our expectations of people and products when they fail to live up to the hype. Have you experienced that? Have you experienced that? Let us know if you've experienced that in chat. Because I think it happens to everyone. And so, it's understandable and normal that you might have doubts about Jesus saying that he's the son of God. Now, that seems strange coming from the pastor of the church preaching the Bible. It's just part of the process, though. Even his closest friends and disciples weren't sure they had doubts about whether Jesus was the Son of God. Now, they overcame those doubts. And it was part of the things that we can start to experience, that we can begin to see that maybe... Jesus is worth following. And if you're not a Christian, I want you to know you're welcome here. This is awesome that you're here today because I think that the truth about Jesus and who he claims to be is at the very least worth considering even if you're not sure even if you have doubts and even if you have questions that is a really good place to be and this is a really good place to be to help you answer some of those questions so how can we know that jesus is the son of god well if you have a bible with you turn with me to the gospel of mark because It says so on the sign. And we're going to go right to chapter 7, verse 31. And it's where we read this incredible story that Mark gives us. Starting in verse 31 of chapter 7, we read this. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There were some people brought to him, a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephphatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. During those days, another large crowd gathered. And he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. After the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over, about 4,000 were present. After he had sent them away, he got into the boat with the disciples and went to the region of Dalmanutha. Imagine that. A miracle for healing the physical. And a miracle for provision. 4,000 people fed and satisfied. So it was all good to all of them. Have you ever had that in your own home, let alone a crowd of 4,000 people? Or everybody loves everything about the meal. Once, twice, three times. Like those are the moments where you just go, nailed it. 4,000 people loved it. And then there's this just... Like, imagine that's the greeting that we gave to people where you, where you just stuck your fingers in someone's ears during the greeting time of a church, right? Like, that would be kind of awkward. How to shrink your church the fastest, I think that would call that. That's the greeting time right there. But that's what he did. He has this incredible power, these miracles... Make us consider whether Jesus is who he really says he is. There's something special about him. This is something worth considering, is it not? Now, I know the objections to the miracles of Jesus, so let's walk through some of them together. This isn't an infomercial. This isn't any, there's no clever video edits, there's no green screen, there's no special effects. This is live and in person. Do you know what this is like? This is like witnessing an accident, just the opposite, where it's not something bad happening, it's something amazing happening. And do you know what happens when you witness an accident? Time slows down. When you're in an accident, it just happens so fast. But when other people are watching, they can see it developing. They can see the car kind of pulling out into the intersection. Or the car moving over and you're like speaking in slow motion. Like you're telling them not to do it. Everything just slows right down. And it's interesting how your brain just starts to focus on every little Detail. You start to see things like, oh, that person's doing that, that person's doing this, and I can see that, and I can see this. And you just become laser-focused on what is happening in the moment. That is what is happening here. Mark is laser-focused on the moment, and he remembers it. His whole gospel, remember, is the first gospel that we have that was written down, that was given out to the people of God who are interested in knowing, hey, is Jesus the Son of God? It's like the, um, like Cliff Notes. It's like the we Just got, got to give you the facts. we got to give you the details. Here's the stat line of the game from last night. Here's all of the things. So he's writing down the important stats. And he remembers everything like it is in slow motion. So Mark is not making this up. He's not doing this just to, boy, we really need a way to figure out how we can convince people to believe in Jesus. I know, let's make him a miracle worker. Right, You don't put in details that Jesus stuck his fingers in someone's ears, spit, and then touched his tongue and said, be opened. That's gross. You wouldn't do that. And yet here Jesus is, the leader of the whole movement, doing this gross thing. He wouldn't make that up. So it really happened. It authentically happened, and Mark remembered every detail. And the cool thing is about the miracles of Jesus, where he does the miraculous with the physical, where he does the miraculous in the provision, is that he's still doing it today. We may not see it, but it is happening all around the world. While we were on vacation, it was more of a staycation, so we went and visited our. Uh, Alliance Church uh, up in Greece, Crosstown Alliance, the campus there uh, at Greece. Pastor Levi and his team are just doing an amazing job of uh, reaching people for Jesus, helping them uh, discover, uh, helping them uh, display, uh, helping them develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. And while we were there, the pa- one of the pastors that was preaching was from the campus in Shingle House, Pennsylvania. And that was uh, streamed through video up to their campus on a big screen. Uh, the pastor's name was uh, Tim Taylor. Not the TV guy, but the pastor in Shingle House. Great guy. And he shared this story from our Alliance Life magazine as part of his message. Talks about Koon and Kong in Cambodia. Native Cambodians, Khun was terrified of her husband, Kong. He and his brothers ran a brutal crime ring among the floating villages of Cambodia's Siem Reap province, which is about the northern middle part of Cambodia. Now, hoping to escape his raging violence, Khun fled to a smaller province, much farther north, right on the border of um, uh, Thailand, she fled to Anlong Ven, and this was about seven years ago that this happened, and Kong traveled to track her down. He went to find her. And he found her at church. He found her at an alliance church, led by, uh, uh, by Pastor Dai was his name. Now, they didn't have a terrible relationship. She just didn't want to be part of a life of crime. And so, since he came to get her, he came to win her back, she started to ask if he would come to church with her and their son, their son Judah. But he refused, continuing his heavy drinking, brawling, and working at his business, making charcoal to sell. Judah always tagged along with Kong as he gathered wood to burn in a deep pit in his yard that functioned as a kiln. One day, father and son were both in the pit working, and Kuhn was working nearby. She looked over just in time to see the earth collapse on top of her husband and Judah, trapping them inside. Jesus, help! she shouted. Kong later said that while buried under the heap of dirt, I felt strong hands grip my shoulders, lift me up, and pull me out of the rubble. But when he emerged... Blood dripping down his face. Kong's right eyeball was lying on his cheek. There was no time to worry about the eye. They needed to find Judah. They immediately, both of them, started digging for Judah. They found him and pulled him to safety. Miraculously, he had sustained no injuries. And the adrenaline of everything that happened started to wear off. The couple realized that Kong's injury was very serious. Blood was dripping down his face, his eyeball only attached with muscles and nerves, hung out of his eye, dangling on his cheek. So they set off to find help. But after visiting several local clinics and a hospital, they found no one to be able to give Kong the medical care that he needed. Out of options, without any money to travel to the city where they were from for help, Kong asked Kuhn, take me to your church. And when they arrived, Pastor Dai and the small congregation gathered around the hurting couple. They did their best to care for his wounds. And then they prayed for his healing. When the church prayed for me, I felt an electric shock run through my body, Kong told us later. Immediately, the muscles and nerves supporting the damaged eye strengthened and pulled Kong's eye back into his eye socket without scarring. I am healed, your God healed me, he shouted. Pastor Dai and those praying for, for Kong were stunned. Impressed that Kong still needed some immediate medical attention, they quickly took an offering, and with the collected money, they insisted that Kong go to back to the city, Siem Reap Provincial Hospital. And once in the hospital, Kong repeatedly told about his, act, told his accident uh, with curious doctors and nurses as other patients and their families listened. And someone finally said, well, who healed you? What, what power? What, what magic do you have? Can I buy this power? I don't have any magic, Kong responded. It was Priya Yesu, my wife's God, who healed me. After a few days in the hospital, Kong left for home, stopping by all of the clinics where he had stopped for help initially, where they were unable to provide assistance. And they recognized him. Were you the guy with the eyeball sticking out? They all asked, what happened? Where did you get this help? And Kong kept saying over and over again, it was Jesus who healed me. Kong finally arrived back at the church where Pastor Dai and the congregation were still in awe over God's healing hand on his life. And Kong became a disciple. He gave his life to Jesus, started to study God's word with Pastor Dai. And after regaining his strength, Kong set off on his old motorcycle and visited his nine siblings in their home villages. Everyone was astounded at the change they saw in his life exclaiming, this Jesus must be real. They wanted to know more about the power that saved Kong from certain death in his kiln, transforming him from a feared crime boss into a passionate follower of Jesus. Eight of Kong's nine brothers and sisters now follow Jesus and have brought their families into God's kingdom. And Kong continues to be unstoppable. Every week, he travels on his motorcycle to distant villages where he distributes Christian tracts. And wherever he has relatives, churches are sprouting up. And he's he's drawing groups of villagers. He just says it this way. You saw who I was. You see who I am. That's all because of Jesus. And every week, the missionaries now, the missionaries who... Uh, are writing this article in Alliance Life, say, we receive phone calls from Kong reporting that so-and-so has recently received Christ. If we had more time and helping extra helping hands, we could easily start two or three classes in each village. Kong and his new believing friends all on fire for God are winning so many new converts into the kingdom that we can hardly keep up with them. That is what Jesus is still doing around the world. Now, you may say, yeah, I get it. That was then and that's over there, but what about here? Well, let me share a little bit of some of my experience. I haven't had a radical healing moment, but one of the cool things about being a pastor is that I often get called to pray for people who have no other hope than for Jesus to intervene in their healing. And I can tell you story after story after story about how God has intervened and how doctors have said, I don't know where the tumor went, it's just gone. I don't know why you're healthy, but you are. I don't even know why you're here. You have a better, whatever the problem was, than you did from the first scan. I don't know how that happens medically. Clearly, someone is looking out for you. And that person says, yeah, I know who that is. That's Jesus. That's my God. Jesus healed then. He heals now. Jesus heals uh, heals over there, and he heals here he is still actively doing these things. He is still actively providing for those who He wants to heal, who, he, who they ask, and they come, and Jesus just responds because he can. There is so much proof that about Jesus that is worth it's worth following him, in my opinion. It is worth putting your faith in him. It is worth seeing what he can do. Because when you understand who Jesus is and what he has the power to do as God's son, it changes everything about you, your world, and your destiny. And if you're still not sure, then you would certainly agree that Jesus is worth investigating, right? I mean, all of these claims from past to present to probably in the future, we'll hear more. And over there and here, those claims are valid. It's at least worth investigating and pursuing. Right, church? Yeah. But it's interesting that some people will go a really long way to not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They will actively fight not to, and it's mind-boggling to me. It was mind-boggling to Jesus. In verse 11 of chapter 8, the Pharisees came and began to question Jesus and to test him. They asked him for a sign, a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. And then he left them, got back into the boat and crossed to the other side. Now, if you don't know who the Pharisees are, if that's kind of a new title for you, um, the Pharisees were the best moral people in the country. They were the holy men who kept the law. They pursued purity with a passion and they wanted nothing more than to have lives that pleased God. And they wanted to help others do it. And that's a noble thing, right? That is a noble thing to want to do that. That's a noble thing to want to be that. However... They had arrived at a place where they were so confident in what they had learned. They felt they had it all figured out. And that they were the best people to figure it out. When it came to applying God's words to circumstances they'd never encountered yet. You see they thought they were the experts. They were the ones that everyone looked up to when there was a question. And Jesus didn't fit any of the answers that they could think of jesus wasn't even on their radar of questions to ask and so here he came saying that he was from god at the very least and the son of god at the very most and that was just impossible for them to wrestle with so they said okay we get it you did these awesome physical healing miracles you did this awesome provision not once but twice Because there's the the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. That's two different stories. They're not the same story where someone just miscounted how many people were in the crowd. Because they're in two different locations. Jesus did it twice. He's providing physical miracles. He's providing provision miracles. All of the things that just demonstrate that these are things that only God can do. But they say they want more. Give me more proof. Give us a sign from heaven. And you know what I think they were asking for? You say you're from God? Blow up a mountain. Give us some, some uh, fire from heaven. Give us a little, you know, do some Sodom and Gomorrah stuff on some of the cities around us who have walked away from you. Blow them up. That'll show it. Something from heaven. Give us a pillar of fire. Give us a cloud that all of us can watch and see that that's who you're following. That's what we want. Give us something from heaven. Give us something bigger. Because what you're doing isn't big enough. And Jesus essentially says, what the heck, guys? I'm out. I'm not giving you anything if you can't believe what I've already done. And he leaves And Jesus is so frustrated by this, he makes it a teachable moment in verse 14. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf which they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod, King Herod, the one who ruled over all of Judea and Samaria with Rome's authority. And they discussed this with one another. And oh, a, be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod. Oh, it must be because uh, it's because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them. Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes to fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? <clears throat> Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven, And he said to them, do you still not understand? And that's the end of the story. What is happening here? What is going on? Well, Jesus makes this a teachable moment, and much like the disciples usually do in the Gospel of Mark and early on, they fail miserably. Much like... I do. When I first tackle a passage and start to try to understand it, I fail miserably. What on earth is Jesus talking about when he says, Beware, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod? Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is famous for uh, creating what fictional character? Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes the greatest detective. In all of literature, I don't think that's true. I think Batman was the greatest detective in all of literature. But I'd like to see the two of them go at it together. And anyways, uh, probably a product of my generation more than anything. But um, Sherlock Holmes had a saying that said uh, that Arthur Conan Doyle gave him that he said over and over in a number of his books. Uh, his books, and it was once you eliminate the possible, whatever remains, no matter how improbable, must be the truth. Let me say that again. Once you eliminate the impossible, that didn't happen. That's not a fact. Once you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, no matter how improbable, no matter how unlikely, but it's still possible. That must be the truth. And that's how he solved all of the crimes that no one else could solve in the books. In other words, put two and two together, put proof and person together, and it's clear that Jesus was something, right? At the very least, Jesus is something, and the Pharisees couldn't believe that. They looked at all of the facts, and they said, no, that has to be an impossibility, and yet it was Jesus, The record shows who put his fingers in the man's ear. It was Jesus who prayed and asked for the food to be blessed, and then the food was distributed, and there was enough left over, and they had everything. It was Jesus always at the center of these miracles. It was Jesus healing Kong with his eye. It was Jesus doing the healings that I have seen in my ministry over 20 years plus. It was always Jesus doing these things. And here is a group of people who said, we can't believe that. And there is a group of people today who continually look for a reason to justify their worldview and life choices regardless of the circumstances that they are in. The Pharisees refused to be open to the potential truth. Jesus is involved. He's clearly part of this, but nah, that can't be it. It just can't be it. It can't be it. It it. He can't be it. Because what that would do is it would force them to change. And Jesus warns them, his disciples, Jesus warns us, his disciples, to watch out for those kinds of people, the kinds of people who keep making excuses, making something different, making themselves somehow, well, that's not my situation or that's not my circumstance. I don't need to change and keep moving the goalposts in order to justify the way they live now so they don't have to respond to the truth of Jesus. It's not that every person... Who does that is to be avoided. Not to cut them out of our lives. Jesus isn't preaching cancel culture here. He's saying watch out. For the times when those people say. Let me give you truth. When they can't personally apply truth. Let me give you truth about God. When we can't help you apply truth about God. And Jesus reminds his disciples. You remember, there was something in it for you when you saw me do this miracle, right? There were baskets left over. There were things for you. The disciples weren't sure, confident that Jesus was who he said he was, but they believed that Jesus was better. And he tells them that I make life better. And yet we constantly fight to hold on to the way we are living because we think we've got it figured out. In other words, Jesus says, watch out for people who live in a bubble. There's um, <laughs> these things you can buy on uh, Amazon. They're, they're pretty cool. They're a little expensive, but I think they're possibly the greatest youth group, church event product you can buy for fun. They are these uh, padded suits, and they're these balls that you put on that allow you to just really act with a lot of, you know, fearlessness. You get to have a lot of courage when you have these suits on. It's a little bit harder to play soccer like these kids are doing, but you can um, run into someone, you can fall down, and you don't get hurt. It's awesome. These bubbles, Living in a bubble like this makes us feel safe. It makes us go faster, farther, because we know that this is going to support us if we fall. And all of us create a worldview that becomes a bubble. People won't say it, but here's the truth no one thinks, I can't wait to change today. No one does. What they want is, I want someone to tell me I'm okay and I don't have to change. That's what I want. And if no one's going to tell me that, I'm going to tell myself that until I actually believe it. Bubbles make us feel safe. They make us feel comfortable. And embracing new beliefs pokes holes in our bubbles and the air starts to be let out and this makes it overwhelming change can be overwhelming it the bubbles protect us from the fear that comes with change but jesus comes and says you know who i am i'm not just going to poke a hole in your bubble i'm going to burst the bubble completely i'm going to blow the whole thing up that's who i am and it's going to be better i'm going to blow up your bubble And I'm going to give you something better. Because I'm going to give you something that's bigger. I'm going to give you something that will last not only through your life. But is applicable all around the world. For all time. And for all eternity. That's what I want to give you. I want to give you the truth. I want to give you life. He wants to show us the way to truth and life. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus says, there are some people, there are some people who think they are influencers who fight to stay in the bubble, fight to stay the same, to refuse to change because they feel it's safer. They may demand other people change. They may demand that other systems change. They may demand that politics change. They may demand that the economy has to change. As long as they don't have to, you have to change, not me. And Jesus simply says, watch out for people who demand other people change while they won't. And watch out for people who handle truth well. The people who practice and preach following Jesus. So, how do, we, how do we land this plane this morning? Let me say this a couple of asides before we apply. If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, and today's the day that you say, you know what, you've convinced me, this makes sense. I'm not sure I have all of the answers, but there's enough proof in the miracles that he's done then and that he's doing now, I'm in. And I want you to come and talk to me after the service and just tell me I want to give my life to Christ. Will you pray with me? And I would be happy to do that. And if if that's not today, but you decide to do that this week, you'll find my contact information right on our website. Just reach out, give the church a call, give me an email. I'll be happy to talk to you about how you can know for certain and put your faith in Jesus as the Son of God. But if you're still not sure, you are still welcome. This is still just a a place where you can get those questions answered. And if you're investigating Jesus today, my encouragement to you is to keep investigating Keep looking at the Gospels, reading the Gospels, study the Scriptures. Jesus is doing miracles today here and around the world. Find those stories. Did you know that Alliance Life, the magazine that I got that story from about uh, the eye that was miraculously healed uh, from the, the Cambodian who became a missionary and a church planter, is a free magazine? You can sign up for that. If you'd like to sign up for that magazine and have a copy of your own delivered, I think it's every quarter you get a new one, uh, then come and connect with me and I'll show you where you can sign up on the website so that you get it uh, four times a year. The Christian and Missionary Alliance website has all sorts of these stories in blogs and missions reports and you can sign up for uh, direct emails, monthly emails from some of our missionaries. If you would like to know more, then you can contact me, you can contact Tracy Cornell, you can contact our missions team and you can get signed up for some of those emails from some of our international workers and hear the stories for yourself before they get collected and curated and put into a magazine on the national website. You can hear it direct from them and you can pray that God would open your heart and your eyes to the truth my encouragement to you if you're still investigating and you're not sure don't stop investigating don't become that Pharisee and if you've been a follower of Jesus Christ if you are a follower of Jesus Christ Are you sure you're not that Pharisee? Are you open to the truth of Jesus? To changing for him? It's very easy for us, regardless of our ministry involvement, our length of time we've been followers of Jesus, It is very easy for us regardless of those things to just naturally get to a place where we are done changing for Jesus. We've got it. We're working all right. We like it this way. Maybe we're on a mountaintop where things are good for us. Things are good. I'm good. Kind of got it figured out. But the truth of Jesus, church, of who he is and what his mission is, to go into the whole world and make disciples, will always be at work to pop the bubble that we want to build. It will always try to burst the bubble. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week, so I hope you can join us, a little bit of a teaser. But if you've been following Jesus... Have you been that Pharisee? Ask yourself in your personal quiet time, in your devotions. Is it possible that I am that person that needs to change? Is it possible? How might this be showing up in my life that I need to repent and change? But for all of us. Those two asides aside. For all of us. Who are the primary influencers in your life? Who are the people that you primarily listen to? How do they respond to truth? How do they respond to the truth of Jesus? How do they personally do it? Jesus warns us. Watch out for those who have more stories that justify their behavior and their point of view than stories of changed behavior and a changed point of view because of who Jesus is. Because the best people to let into our lives to influence us are those who not only preach the truth of Jesus, but practice. Following Jesus, and you get to see it firsthand. Let me pray for you. Let's bow our heads. With every eye closed and um, every head bowed. Holy Spirit, we ask you to be with us now. We ask you to. Reveal to us, Jesus. We ask that you would open our eyes, open our heart to know in an even deeper way who he is. The miracles that he has done, the miracles that he can do are not just coincidence. So Lord, if we're on a path to investigate but we're not quite sure, then help us to keep investigating. Meet us at that place. If this is our time, we, we agree that now we need to surrender our lives to you. It is clear that you are the son of God. Lord, I pray that you would give that person courage. To surrender their lives to you. To put their faith in you for their salvation. That you would give them the courage to reach out. To make that connection and that that email, that phone call. So that they can know for certain. Because they've surrendered their life to Jesus. For those who have followed Jesus for a long time. Lord, I pray that you would give us incredible humility. Not a fake humility but the kind of humility that only you can provide through your Holy Spirit. May, is it true of us, Lord? Have we been Pharisees? Have we been like Herod, who say one thing and live another way? And Lord, Lord, for all of us, Would you help us to consider who influences us? The things that we watch. The way we get our news. The things we scroll online. Lord, we all look for the things that will make us feel comfortable, that will reinforce the bubble that we are in. And we look for people who reinforce what we believe. And Lord, you would love nothing more than to burst the bubbles of influencers who, who refuse to consider who you are and what you've done. Lord, would you help us to be influenced by the, around, those around us who not only preach you, but put into practice what a relationship with you really looks like. Would you help us to not be afraid of the change that you are calling us to make as individuals and as a church? Because you are worth it. You can provide, and you provide in miraculous ways for all of our needs. We have nothing to fear because of who you are. Would you help us to be influenced by those who follow you and preach you, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.